0: Well, listen, guys, it is, uh, I got to be honest with you, it's so good to be back in here with you guys. Um, We were away for about a week or so. It felt like we were gone uh, for a couple of months. But before we get started, can we just give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Uh, God is so amazing. He's so good. Uh, I just wanted to take a moment just to give him some praise for he is worthy of our praise. Amen. I'm glad I got an amen for that. Amen. Amen. So what you guys uh, just saw there, that two-minute clip, was about four hours worth of walking that we did. Um, So my wife and I and and Alex, uh, we went away last week. Uh, We just got away. We needed a little bit of rest and um, just some time of um, just being blessed and poured into. And, And we did a little ministry work, too. And so we went out and we did a three-state tour. We went to Chicago, Illinois. We went to Winfield, uh, uh, Indiana. And uh, we went to Williamstown, Kentucky. And that's uh, quite a trip and some traveling we did. Um, But we ended up in Kentucky to go see Noah's Ark. And I got to tell you, uh, if you've never, has anyone been there? Has anyone ever seen it? Wow! Amen. Okay, that's great. So we got a couple people who have been there. I got to tell you, it's nothing like you have ever experienced in your life. When when you talk about the Bible really coming to life before your very eyes, it is awe inspiring. The short, the sheer magnitude. And the scale of the ark can simply not be put into words. When you read the dimensions in the scripture, and they're just numbers on paper. But when you see the scale of it, you realize that we serve a God who makes the impossible possible. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. It's just hard to grasp and understand. And as Rosa and Alex and I, we walk through this, and you, you start on the lower level, you work your way up, and you come back down. Uh, As you walked in there, my takeaway at least was that we serve a God who is so, so patient. He's so uh, enduring and long-suffering that he's so gentle and kind. And more importantly and most importantly, he's so loving. But what I also realized, and this is the fullness of who God is, that he was righteous, and he's just. And so as, as, as we kind of took this tour, there was a scripture that stood out in particular um, that I read that day. And it was from Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, where it says that the wickedness of man was great. That his every thought, his every intention was evil, continuously. Continuously. Sounds a lot like today. And so I got to thinking uh, a lot about it, and um, I asked myself as I I walked through it and we got to the end, and of course the entire message takes us to the message of the cross. The entire ark experience leads you, as the entire gospel does, to the message of the cross. And I asked myself as we reflected on it, what have I done? God, what did we do? What did we do to ourselves? What did we do to this world? What did we do to you? And so as I sat there just contemplating, and even on the drive home, because we were staying in Indiana, so Kentucky was about a a four-and-a-half-hour, one-way drive, a lot of driving that day. All I could think about was, as my heart grieved, what did I do? And it got me thinking about this idea, this topic of the calling to repentance. You know, as I read that ark story as you go from creation to the fall of man uh, to this rebellious world and God wanting to destroy all of his creation... All I could see was God's people running from Him, rebelling from Him, and God continuously calling them to return. And it got me just thinking and contemplating about this idea of repentance. I'll tell you a quick uh, dinner time story. My children normally inspire most of my stories for those of you who haven't been around a while, <laughs> okay? Uh, so, uh, my family were sitting down at dinner about a month ago or so um, before we went to the ark, and Jesse here, my daughter, she says, "Hey, Dad, i don 't know if you heard, but um, Kanye West just um, released uh, a new album, and i 'm like, yeah i don't care i don 't I don't really listen to Kanye anymore. okay it's not okay, yeah, whatever." She goes she goes, "No, dad, no, i 'm serious." You'd be interested. He just released an album. It's a gospel album. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, if you don't know Kanye, he's a rap artist. Uh, If you don't know him by his music, you probably know him because he's married to Kim Kardashian. And so Jesse says, no, no, Dad, really, he gave his life to Christ, and he made a gospel album. Okay, honey. Okay, so the first song that she introduces me to from his album was a song called Closed on Sunday. Okay, it's called Closed on Sunday. Now, this is kind of funny because this is his artistic creativity in how he worships the Lord, I suppose. But his song is comparing how much he loves God and comparing it to Chick-fil-A. So it's Closed on Sunday. Okay, all right. <laughs> Stop looking at me that way. It's, um, it's not exactly my cup of tea, but i got to be honest with you. Um, I had to repent because I questioned someone's repentance and receiving of the Lord. Now, Who am I to say? And who am I to judge? And so I gave it a shot, and I listened to the entire album. It was 12 songs, all of about 30 minutes of music. <laughs> it's a short album. <laughs> And I got to be honest with you, although I questioned his repentance and his acceptance of Christ, I got to be honest with you, although his music is not my cup of tea, his theology and his music was solid from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I don't really know if Kanye's saved. I don't really know if he's born again. And quite honest with you, it's not my position to judge or to make that determination. I just pray for the man. And I believe in these last days, God's going to be saving a lot of celebrities and a lot of people that you wouldn't think he would save. But who are we to judge? Amen. And so... Um, I asked myself, as, as I looked at that, and in combination with that conversation and our ARC experience, I started to ask myself about repentance, and I said, Lord, what does it mean? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like when we're repenting or when we have repented? So help us answer this question today, I want to take you to the book of Luke. And I want to examine to you, we're going to pray in a minute before we get into the word. But this is a story that I guarantee you almost everyone in the room today is familiar with. It's a story of the prodigal son. Now again, this is a story you're probably familiar with, but I'm going to present this today to you in a somewhat interesting, but I think biblically sound perspective. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for bringing us into your place, through your Holy Spirit, through the righteousness and blood of Jesus, allowing us into your chambers, that we may worship you today, Father, in spirit and in truth. Lord, I ask that you open up the pages of your text and you open up our hearts to receive everything that you are going to speak today. I ask that you write this text on the pages of our heart, Lord, that when we leave this place, we're leaving it different than how we entered it. So I thank you today, God. We thank you for the reading and the revelation of your word. And the people of God say, amen. Now, when we, when we um, read that title, The Prodigal Son... Tradition has told us that this is a story about the wayward son, about the one who strayed. But I want to present something to you that I think is more linguistically and biblically accurate. See, the, the title itself is very important to the understanding of this story of repentance. And why is it so important? See, we think of this title as the wayward son, but in the Greek, the word prodigal means extravagantly wasteful. Now, I want you to understand that, and I think it's important for you to catch that because it sets the tone for the entire story. The extravagantly wasteful. Now, the traditional way of thinking about this story is that there we we see the story as someone who was unbelieving who was lost who God uh, um, found who was lost and received him and pulled him into his house and when I think there's some truth to that there's some biblical truth to that I would present to you by the evidence of the text today a different perspective of this scripture That this is not a story about people who are lost and outside of God's home, outside of God's reach, but this is a story about that person of which who was already in the house of God, who was already in the presence of the Father, and who strayed. What I'm saying to you is this is a story about a lost believer. Okay, how do we know that? In the beginning of verse 15, it says that Jesus was preaching to the tax collectors and the sinners. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had a real issue with this. And they scoffed at him and they challenged him. And so Jesus gave him a series of three parables of which the prodigal son is the last. All of them was about, simply put, something that was already in its rightful place that was lost. Someone or something that was where it was supposed to be, where it was always intended to be, and got lost. That's what this is about today. And so what I want to do with you today is I want to do an exegetical examination. That's just a big word of saying we're going to break it down. Okay, We're going to do uh, uh, an exegetical examination of this text. I want to point out some things that I hope will, will just speak to your heart today as we talk about this topic of the call to repentance. We're going to, go to, we're going to start in verse 11. So if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read from Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 11. We're going to go to verse 24. We're going to read through this quickly, and we're going to dive into the Word. We're going to dissect it. I'm going to pull out, I think, some great nuggets of revelation that I hope you can take home with you today. Amen? All right, again, Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Whatever you have is just fine. If you have your Bibles electronically, you can turn to that version. But whatever you have will get us to the same place. It's just fine. Starting in verse 11. You know, I like to read the text. We like to pour in the word into you. It says, starting in verse 11, And he said, Jesus said, The man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And so he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered uh, his his things together and went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country, and he had began to be, uh, I'm sorry, lost my place, in that country, uh, and he became impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he was sent into the fields to feed swine. He said he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swines were eating, and no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven And in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and left and and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Thank you, Lord, for the reading and revelation of your word. Amen. Now, Let's take a look at this text. We're talking about the idea today of repentance. Remember, I asked you, what does it look like? What does it uh, uh, sound like, feel like? We're talking about repentance. But it's important for context. So in the beginning of this passage, it said the man had two sons and the younger son, it says here, asked for his inheritance now, again, I think this is important to see the second son. And Remember, I told you that this is about someone who was already in the house of the father. This is a, man, a young man who was under the protection, the grace, the guidance of his father. See, and in this story, normally, as we understand in the patriarchal society, the firstborn gets a double portion of the inheritance of the father. And the second will get a third. So two-thirds to the oldest, a third to the next. And so here's the second son. He would have, get, uh, in, the, in the presence and the splendor of his father, he would have been entitled to an inheritance of a third of the property of his father. What's interesting here is that in this story, the son says something really interesting He says in this text, what would equate to this? He says, you know what, Dad, you don't really mean that much to me. You're not that important to me at this stage in my life. So you know what I want to do, Dad? You know what I want you to do? Because you're really not that important to me. He says, I just want you to give me what I'm entitled to. But you know what? I'm willing to take less just to be away from you. I'm willing to settle for less than my share, but give it to me now so I can go do what I want. This is what he's saying in our understanding today of this text. This is the equivalent to what this young man is saying to his father in those biblical times. So he says, fine. The father says, I love you so much that I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor your wishes. And if you want to settle for less, that's fine. You have to understand less is significantly less. He would have been entitled to a third of the inheritance. And what we understand about those times is is if this really happened, that he would have not gotten a third. He would have got a third of a third. He settled for so much less so that he could leave the presence of his father and go do what he wanted to do. You know, there's actually a really popular commercial that actually echoes this very sentiment. I'm going to say the tagline, and I bet you you know exactly what company I'm talking about. In the commercial, it says, it's my money, and I want it now. See, you're shaking your head. I, I didn't name, name the company. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. That's J.G. Wentworth. (laughs) See, that idea of, and just so so you understand, right? So that whole commercial was about someone who has this inheritance, right? It's called a structured annuity is how we understand it today. And you say, you know what? I'm willing to settle for so much less because I want it right now. Forget about what's coming in the future. Give me what I'm entitled to right now so that I can go do what it is that I want to do. Isn't that like us today? We will negate. Listen, listen we'll, we'll, we'll settle for salvation and we'll forsake eternity. You hear me? This is us settling, Right? We'll settle for salvation. We'll think, okay, well, that's good enough. Thank you for saving me. And I'm guilty of this too, guys. This is where I was early in my journey. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation. I appreciate it. But that's good enough for now. Now I'm going to go do my thing. So my salvation was good enough. But now I'm going to forsake eternity. I'm going to settle for so much less. And so just like this young man, we can't do what we want. In our daddy's house. How many of you have moved out of your parents' house because you want to do what you want? Be honest. Come on. I, y'all, see, I know there's a lot more hands in the room. Y'all moved out of your mommy and daddy's house because y'all wanted to do what y'all want to do. I did. Come on, thank you for some of y'all being honest today. Amen. Amen. Some of us are honest. Praise the Lord. Okay, <laughs> my daughter raises her hand. <laughs> Listen. You cannot do what you want in your father's house. So what do you do? You take what you think is yours, and you got to go into a distant land because you can't do your business in front of your mom and dad. You can't. That's a big no-no, okay? And so that's what we do. And just like the prodigal son, he had to run. He had to go into a distant land, and in that land— He was now separated from that guidance, that protection, that love, all of that wonder of that his father gave him. He was now separated from it. And he was now doing his own thing. And you know what happened? The same thing that happened to you. He ended up broke and destitute. He he ended up real dry in a dry and desert place. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was longing. Some of you right now have been in a season where you've been doing your own thing and you're thirsty. You're spiritually thirsty. Some of you are physically and emotionally drained. The scripture here says, I'll read this to you because I thought this was important. It says that after he went into this land, he spent everything in loose living It all dried up. It said a severe famine occurred and he became impoverished. See, here's what happens, guys. We get to this place of being impoverished, and it's pride that keeps us from our Father. It's pride. That keeps us from coming back into the house where we know there's food and shelter and safety and love. It's pride. And so instead of going back and repenting and saying, I'm sorry, what do we do? you got to fill in the blank here. We sell ourselves out to you fill in the blank. Instead of going back, you go further into it. You get further deeper and further lost and you sell yourself out to whatever. The scripture says that he sold himself or hired himself out to a citizen of that land. Beloved, this is not the land of the Lord. This is the land of the Lord of this system. And you're selling yourself out to something that you ain't got no business selling yourself out to. And then you find yourself in this really bad place. Now, the scripture here that jumped out of the pages at me, it says he went into the fields to feed swine. Beloved, if you were a first century Jew and your occupation was to feed swine, beloved, you hit rock bottom. There was very little that was worse than feeding swine as a first century Jew. Some of you all are feeding the swine right now. And he's now hit rock bottom. And so he has, the scripture says he was feeding these pigs. He had this bucket of pods. I just want to say it's slop. He had a bucket of slop in his hand and he was feeding these nasty animals, these pigs. And he was so hungry. Some of y'all get so hungry. It says he was so hungry, he contemplated eating the slop. Are y'all hearing me? Some of y'all in your spiritual walk, in your lostness with God, have gotten so hungry, you actually contemplate eating the slop that the world wants to give you when there's a prepared table waiting for you. You actually want to eat the slop. And in the moment where his face, I just picture this in my mind, where he's about to put that bucket in his face to chow down on that nastiness, the scripture says, wait a minute, hold up. It says, he came to his senses. Come on now. The scripture says, he came to his senses and he says, what am I doing? Am I really this low? Am I really this lost? That I'm. You got to fill in the blank here because I know. Listen, we've been in this place. He's like, I I can't eat this stuff. My my dad's hired hands eat better than this. I, I can't do this anymore. And then he has a change of heart. Here's repentance. He came to his senses. You see, before repentance, you got to come to your senses about your sin. You have to come to your senses about the gravity, the depravity, the magnitude of your sin. And you have to wake up and say, wait a minute, Lord, I don't don't want this anymore. And so you start working it out in your head. And before you go into your prayer closet, you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to say to God tonight. On your way home, you're driving home, and you're like, I'm tired of this slop. Okay, when I get home tonight, here's what I'm going to say to God. And you start role-playing it in your head. Okay, this is what I'm just going to say to God. I'm going to work it out. And, and, and I, I, You know, Lord, I don't even want you to elevate me. Lord, just you can make me one of your slaves. It's okay. But I know I'm going to be better than where I am right now. You see, there's, a, there's this change of heart that has to happen. You see, because repentance, beloved, means that there is a transforming motion that not only transforms your mind, but it transforms your heart, it transforms your very purpose. See, his purpose in that moment was feeding swine, but he says, no more. Now, God, Father, I am sorry, and I'm working this out, and now my purpose, guys, is different, It's changed. I'm no longer meant to be in the gutter with the pigs. I'm meant to be elevated into the place where the Father has intended for me. My purpose is different. And so here we are. His purpose has changed. He's still feeling thirsty and hungry, but he starts to make his way home, and he's a long way out, beloved. He's far away. Here's the thing, though. Some of you feel like you're really, really far away from God. Some of you will feel like you're this far away. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get there. Some of you might be a little bit closer. Maybe, maybe you're right here. Some of you might be a little closer to God. And, and then we get to this place where we feel like there's just something in front of us and we just can't move it. And we try to go around. Some of us will stay right there. Others will walk around it. And we'll get a little bit closer. And I'll be honest with you guys. It doesn't really matter how far or how close you are when you're running from God. What matters is that you turn around. It doesn't matter how far you are. You just have to turn around. What I love about the text is it says that while he was still a ways off, it says the father saw him and the father felt love he felt compassion for him and what did the father do while he was still a ways off in a most undignified manner for an elderly Jewish man he ran to his son he didn't even wait for him to get there that's our God let me tell you something your repentance is 10% you and 90% God Y'all hearing me today? Your repentance is 10% you and 90% God. What do I mean by that? You wouldn't even repent if it wasn't for God and the spirit of God in your heart. You wouldn't even repent, but you do have to make the choice to turn around. It is 10% you, 90% God. God puts it in your heart, you turn around and God says, don't even worry about it. I'll do the rest. I'll meet you right where you are. You're tired, you're hungry. You're weary. You're coming from a far off, dry land. And God says, I got you. Just stay where you are. All you have to do, beloved, and maybe you're in that place today. Maybe that's you. Maybe you just turned around and you don't have the strength to take another step. God says, don't worry, I got you. I'm coming to get you. And when I get there, watch this. I'm gonna put a cloak on your back. I'm going to get you warm. I'm going to protect you. He says, I'm going to put a ring on your finger so that they know you're a person of significance so that they know that you belong to my house. I'm going to put a ring on your finger and I'm going to put sandals on your feet so that you can walk in comfort so that you can walk with a swag. Are y'all hearing me? Some of y'all don't hear what I'm saying today. God, put some sandals on your feet so you can walk with a swag so you're not walking like this because your feet hurt and you, you, your joints are hurting. Put on a good pair of sneakers and see how good you walk. God says, I'm putting a sandals on your feet, but all you have to do is turn around come on i saw that and i got excited you see but sin is serious i'm almost done here guys sin is serious because sin, I was telling you that there was this thing that's in your way and keeping you from the presence of God and separating you and keeping you out of his house. It is that sin that is in your life that is keeping you from his presence. You fill in the blank. We all got something we're working out. The Bible says that we are being taken from glory to glory, faith to faith, that sanctification is a process. Your justification is immediate, but your sanctification is a process. And we all got something, beloved, that we're working out. What are you working out today? What are you working out? It's so important that we understand that it is sin that binds us. But God, he convicts, we turn, he runs, he forgives, and he restores. This is what God does for us. But the alternative, I got to give you the fullness of the gospel today, guys. The alternative is unthinkable. Not turning away from your sins. Not repenting is unthinkable. If you want to stay in that desert land, the consequences are unimaginable. See, God loves you enough that he will honor your decision and he will let you stay in that place. There's a place called hell. It is real and it is real hot. And God will honor you if that's where you want to go. It can't be understated. We have to leave and forsake sin and receive God without reservation. See, this young man was living his life and he didn't look back. The Bible says that he turned towards God. There was no this. There was only this. Because, see, sin forsaken is sin forgiven. Are y'all hearing me today? Man, maybe that didn't get y'all excited, but it did me when I wrote it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Sin forsaken is sin forgiven. Are you telling somebody this? Are you sharing this? Sin is really serious, guys, and we're almost done. But I got to tell you something. Sin is, is, is deadly serious. How much do you got to hate somebody? Not to tell them that. How much do you have to hate somebody to tell them, to not tell them about the seriousness of their sin, their depraved state? How much do you have to hate someone not to tell them that the end result of their sinful life without repentance is an eternal separation from God? That's a hard one. But if you love them, you'll tell them. You'll tell them. You'll tell them gently, but you'll tell them nonetheless. Listen, I'm going to tell you what repentance. Remember, I said to you, what does repentance sound like? What does it look like? Our repentance is a shouting about the glory of God just as loud as we sung about our sins. Because, listen, we boast about our sins. We do. We don't believe me. Turn on the TV. We boast of our sins. There are television shows and networks dedicated to just lustful things, depraved things. Just turn on the TV. We love it. We sing about it. We post about it. We take selfies about it. You name it. Repentance is singing louder about our praise to God and what he did in our life and what he did on the cross. Singing just as loud for that stuff than singing about your sin. That's what repentance looks like. And not in a boastful way, but in a graceful way in saying, God, thank you. Not just so people can see that you're a super Christian on Facebook and you're a super Christian on Instagram. Not for that reason but so that God, so that everyone can know what God has done in your life. We must exchange the irresistible sin for an irresistible God. That's repentance. But they are serious. So I want to close today with just this last part here. The Scripture says, After he was tired, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. It says after he was tired of all of his livings, after he contemplated what he was going to say to his father. And ladies, Joanne, Nana, thank you for that word that you guys gave earlier. This young man came with an uh, expecting came into contact with his father with an expectation, ladies he said i don't i 'm not expecting anything, but my expectation is just to be let in the door he says i don 't care where you place me, God just father, just let me in the door. How many of you want to get let in the door today? How many of you just want to be allowed permitted into god 's house Bedav? How many of you just want to come into his presence? And just be allowed. You don't want to be elevated. You'll go in as a slave. But just let me in. Because outside of your house, I was dying. But it says here, he made a choice though, guys. It says that he got up. He got up. And the dead prepared a feast for him. He slaughtered a calf, a lamb, if you will, for his son. For our Father in heaven has given you his lamb. When you turn away from your lifestyle of sin, when you turn away from the reckless, extravagant, loose, immoral, riotous living of your past, when you turn away from that living, he says, I'm here offering you the lamb. He says, I've given you my son. All you have to do is believe in his sacrifice and I will give you eternal life. If you haven't received that today, today is your opportunity. If maybe you were in his house and you were running, maybe you are running right now. Today is your opportunity to turn around, get up, turn around and face him. He won't look at you with judgment he won't look at you with condemnation, but he'll look upon you with compassion, with love, and with mercy. And he will receive you if you're willing to receive him. If that's you today, after prayer, after we close, I just want you to come up. The elders and myself will be here. Don't leave today different or the same leave different than the way you came in receive him I want you to leave your burdens I don't care what your burdens are today we got a lot of people with a lot of situations in here got different burdens on their heart do not leave your burdens with them rather but leave them today at the cross we're going to pray and then the elders and I will be here if you want to pray let us bow our heads today as we close Father I thank you today for revealing through your word your grace and your mercy that Lord without you without your love without your sacrifice of your son on the cross we would still be lost and dead in our sin but I thank you today Lord That you've allowed us the opportunity, you've stirred our hearts to get up, turn around, and move towards you. Because that's only your work, Father. Lord, if the Old Testament saints had the, the, uh, the ark through Noah to save them from destruction, but Lord, your son Jesus is the ark of the new covenant. And it is only in him can we find salvation. It is only in him that we have everlasting life. So, Lord, I pray that you touch the hearts of the people today and that if there's anyone with a burden today on their hearts, if there's anyone that needs, Lord, to release unto you what has been weighing them down, what has been keeping them from you, Father, I just pray release over this place. We thank you today, Lord. We love you. We lift you up. Lord, I pray that you bless everyone in this place.